All right, we are. Just a second here. All right. All right, this is the Donovan Bailey podcast. Donovan Bailey, MSLGSW, thank you for tuning in. We had various changes that we had to uh, do in order to accommodate this show. Uh, Juneteenth, the virtual um, event with the uh, NAACP, and then uh, it rained outside, and I thought I was going to be able to brave it, but not, so I had to bring it back inside. So I do appreciate your patience there. But thank you for tuning in to the Donovan Bailey MSLGSW podcast. This whole podcast comes from a social work standpoint, but more so it's because of uh, my running for Rochester City Council Ward 6. And I use this as an opportunity, as a creative opportunity, to get my voice out there so people know who I am, what I'm about, uh, just another avenue so people uh, know who Donovan Bailey is and who you may want to vote for come August 11th and November 3rd. So thank you for tuning in to our podcast. It's great to have you to chime in and figure out what Donovan Bailey's all about. Uh, let me start out with some thank yous. And I just wanted to, we did this on our show earlier. Ryan Fro, thank you for what you've done for the community and giving out these beautiful shirts that I'm wearing here um, to support Black Lives Matter. Great. Thank you, Mayor Norton as well and Chief Franklin, Sheriff Torgerson. You guys are grappling with some big issues, and it's been cool that you guys have uh, talked to the folks in the community to see what we can do about the aftermath of the loss of George Floyd. So thank you for that. Stephanie Whitehorn uh, led a great meeting with the Council for Minnesotans of African Heritage uh, to get more voices out there. So thank you, Stephanie, for your leadership in the community. And then our director, W.C. Jordan of the NAACP, he was on the Hill last weekend testifying to issues of Black Lives Matter in the, in, the, in the aftermath of George Floyd. So thank you for that. But major shout out goes to June, uh, Nashana. Great Juneteenth yesterday, uh, event yesterday at Juneteenth. It was, I know it was new for you, but it was great. It was as if we, we didn't skip a beat here in the local community. So thank you. Nishana for putting on a great Juneteenth event. And then also today, the virtual event through the NAACP. Thank you for you guys doing that. Well, what's up? What's up is August 11th primary. Make sure you get out and vote. A lot of folks need, um, uh, we need everyone to vote uh, during the uh, primaries. And if you don't understand, this is a crucial election to see who's supposed to actually run for the general elections on November 3rd. So make sure you know we need you to get out and vote August 11th, and then we need you to get out and vote on November 3rd. Also, what's up? Next week I will be participating in a show with Barbershop Talk, um, and it's about the cultural competence or the cultural growth of leaders running for office at the local and uh, county uh, levels, local city and county levels. So um, I will be a part of that show with Barbershop Talk, along with Dr. Jess Garcia, myself, Benji Castro, Regina Mustafa, Wally Allegbitty. So that'll be a good uh, show 
that I'll be able to be a part of and also so you guys can get to know what's going on with minority folks jumping in the fray of of this. Well, what else is up? Yeah, I put up a post, and I just want to speak to this briefly, about the Aunt Jemima, Aunt Jemima and uh, Uncle Ben's uh, rice scenario. And it's in the aftermath of a lot of things that are going on with taking down statues and the Confederate flag and all that. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, particularly as it relates to what the twins did. Uh, twins owner Calvin Griffith, uh, what he said in, in regards to blacks was absolutely horrible. And I get why they are taking that statue down. And think of some of the other stuff, the statues of racist men who, you know, are military bases. I get a lot of that stuff. But when you when you came when it came to the Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben's issues, that was concerning for me because, uh, and as, as it may seem odd, a, a, a lot of young men like me, and I'm I'm going to speak for some folks. Those were positive images, and for Black Americans, when we look at our history, we cannot whitewash, and I'll use that word, or erase our our slave history. Of course, it was bad. Of course, it was horrible. Should have never happened. 400 years, so on and so on and so forth. However, in that 400 years, our heritage lived. Our heritage did a lot of great things from music and and writing and so on and so forth. Um, and some images and, and, and things that we carry on today in a positive way. So when I spoke of the removal of Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben's, for me, uh, maybe it's a good idea. But when you begin to take away those issues, and the big question comes up is this, if you take away Aunt Jemima, what do you put in this replacement? Michelle Obama, Black Lives Matter, Matter sign, what do you put there? Because, again, it's a business, so they're trying to attract. <sighs> Interesting. President Obama, what do you put? That minority image is gone. Same thing with Uncle Ben. So it's a bigger issue. You know, it's debatable in some respects. But I certainly wanted to touch on that briefly because eh, it might be a little too far taking those images down, although they may have represented uh, negativity on the front end. As I understand these two individuals and their historic content, they were positive images that made their way onto these products, albeit in some racist type of forms. But again, growing up as an at-risk youth, not seeing a lot of positive images, it is what it is. When I saw that, not only did it correlate a positive image, but also a linkage to my ancestry. So it's a tough issue, but I wanted to speak to that. Uh, I want to speak to this because a lot of protesters did a great job among them myself to um, challenge the issues that led to the murder of George Floyd. However, uh, from what I understand, the House brought up a great policing bill this week in Minnesota. However, the Republican-led uh, Senate um, decided not to vote on such policies. And I'm not sure where it goes from here. But this is what I, what, I, what, I, what I want to ask the protesters. Where's the protest now? Where's the protest now? Are we protesting the Republicans that decided not on police reform and on changes? Think about it, particularly as it relates to voting. This is the time for necessary change. Are we going to rise to it? And then what about this? COVID-19 in sports. Phillies, uh, eight to nine people, eight people test positive for COVID-19, including players and personnel. 
in the Clemson football team, 23 players test positive for COVID-19. Um, and then we have the issue with some athletes, NBA athletes, that is, saying, I don't want to um, play basketball because of the issues of our time, and some saying we should. How does COVID-19 affect sports, and what is it doing to our sports culture as a big guy for sports? I think it's interesting. You know, see what even more is interesting, and I interject this on a quick uh, Saturday note. Our POTUS, our president, is in Oklahoma, Tulsa, um, doing a campaign rally, which is great. That's his thing, uh, Republican campaign rally. From what the news is saying, some of the support staff in that have tested positive for COVID-19. My question is, have we forgotten about this COVID-19 and the 120-plus thousand deaths it has caused in our country? And what will this mean down the road if we just move on with sports or move on with campaign rallies? It's a real big decision. And I truly believe city, state, nationally, a lot of our decisions is going to be colored with the idea of COVID-19. And now as we move on in our society and say, for all intents purposes, and for all intents purposes, screw it, forget it, let's move on. How is that going to impact everything that we do daily? It's a very interesting time as it relates to COVID-19 because we're just moving ahead, full strength, and you know, so it's, it's really interesting. And I believe, in the sense of leadership, this will color things as we move forward. So that's what's up. A lot of crazy things. But as I think of this, and I want to, I always will hit some philosophies that I truly believe in, and particularly that will impact my campaign. Um, good leadership is not guided by a party, platform, or code, particularly in 2020. It is guided by a philosophy or value system. I truly believe in this era of a lot of upheaval, the best politicians, the best leaders, will learn and know how to lead in a lot of situations here locally. Just being on the Barbershop Talk Show, a uh, Democratic candidate for, I believe it's Senate House 25, uh, uh, Sarah Flick said, leaders have to be bold. And the bold leaders that, that are cutting edge in these times will be the greatest leaders or politicians or what have you. And I truly believe that as it relates to this idea of leadership in this time. We don't need politicians. We need leaders that can really deal with a really sensitive time in our country. And it is time for folks to step up and be leaders. And who you elect, I hope that you will elect, elect leaders. As it, as it relates to leaders, I wanted to really quick note just again, over about, about four weeks ago, I switched my campaign from running for uh, Minnesota House 25B to running for Rochester City Council Ward 6. So I am running for Rochester City Council Ward 6, four weeks in, having fun, just to make sure you know that. And as I as I do that, I my platform has not changed. I have a bold platform that is about diversity, inclusion, equity, quality, and cultural competence. And this predated, if you will, COVID-19 check the record. Because I knew, given what I do as a social worker for the Public Defender Office, that the things that exploded with disparities out of COVID-19 and the things that exploded from the murder of 
George Floyd, I knew those were central issues as it relates to the voiceless communities, minority communities, and certainly the African-American community. And it threatened our state, our city, our democracy. And it's very important, um, I believe, and as I, as I, as I, the philosophy of cultural competence, equity, inclusion, diversity, equality, it's a philosophy. It's not a one issue. It's a philosophy that from the, the, the electric bikes we have downtown to transportation to DMC to potholes in the road, everything through a Donovan Bailey campaign will be done through the auspices of this philosophy. And that's what I'm moving forward on. As we move forward, I want to really hit a couple of policy issues that I think are very important as I think about my campaign, and they actually came up in this week, um, and I want to hit those things real quickly. Uh, those things are, first of all, let me go through my list, if you will, of things that I'm passionate about, and then I'll camp out on a couple of issues, and then we'll, this podcast, we will uh, back up a little bit on this podcast. Um, but those the issues that I'm supportive about is support for DMC as it grows and makes this city an economic engine for not only our region, but our state. We need to support that boldly and help it to continue to rise and grow. And I, as a city official, will certainly be in support of DMC building our economy. However, I would love to make sure that it's continued in the sense of urbanizing our growth, not only in the sense of cultural competence, but having amenities that are attractive down here in Rochester. If this is going to be a destination, it must be a destination that is attractive, not only for people who come here for service, but also for us who live here. We should have a jazz club, and there's some talks about having an urban center, some of those different different things. I will be very interested in, to see what we can do to assist DMC in urbanizing its growth to where we will be uh, a cutting-edge city that rivals a lot, and folks want to come here not only for mail, but for amenities, entertainment, food, culture, the mood, the ambiance of Rochester, Minnesota. I am passionate about transportation. I'll get to that in a minute. Passionate for small business, particularly in the resurgence from COVID-19. Passionate about being a living wage city, helping our middle class, helping the least of these that 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 live here, that not only will we do affordable housing, but we got to figure out affordable living. And it's a real tough issue in this very gentrified, if you will, city. Not saying that totally negative, but when the median income is $70,000, we've got some issues there that we got to figure out. And um, particularly if you want to be a city that has a population that is diverse in the sense of economics, it's a tough issue. And we may have to adjust given the issues of our times. Attracting and keeping the younger people. And this has come from some folks that I've talked to in the community. Um, obviously, I've, I've promoted the idea of cultural competence, but within that, affirm, affirm, an affirmative action plan for the city. The NAACP has been pushing that. And I totally, as I talk about these things, I am definitely in support of that. A paid community liaison for the police department and city, and we'll get into that a little bit. A human rights system here in Rochester, whether it's through the county, the city, a combination of both, or the state comes down that has teeth, that has power, not only like the Twin Cities area, but like St. Paul, 
We are the third largest city in Minnesota, and we should have a powerful enforcing uh, human rights commission, whether it's through the state or us locally. Um, I'm not dissing the Olmstead County Commission. I was once on that commission, but it didn't have enforcement power. A diverse police force also under that as well, as well as on other issues. And again, I, I would love for us to be honest as we look forward, particularly in the next year or two, we will be leading through the lens, I think, of a couple, three things. One, what type of city do we want to become? Are we cool with the idea of the median household income being around 70000 and everybody has to really get up to that level, if you will? Are we cool with that? Not saying that's bad. But what does that mean about the low-income worker, the frontline worker, quote-unquote, the essential worker that has held up this state and this nation? What do we need to do? So I think we're continually at that crossroads of what we're going to do. Two, COVID-19, we have to understand we are living in a post-COVID-19 world, and until there's a vaccine, and even beyond then, as we think of of uh, the economy, 40% of African Americans are being hit hard and being jobless in this economy. How do we deal with that? The budget shortfall that the city, the county, the state is, is seeing and will continue to see. How do we work through that? And then lastly, given the issues post the murder of George Floyd, we certainly will be acting in lieu of that. I think those three things will override a lot of things as we move forward, particularly in key positions within the city, the state, and so on even the school system as well. But I want to hit on a couple of things, and then I'm going to be finished with our podcast today. One is the area of policing. Uh, I was talking with the mayor about this. You put out a, a nice Facebook post on the idea of the social worker in police work. And what did we think of that idea? Well, I spoke to that, and this is what I spoke to. Um, I think the, the social worker and the individual that is doing that right now is fantastic. It's a fantastic idea. However, I think we need to, and I say this, we can be the most cutting edge city in Minnesota and America if we do this, I believe. I believe the crime prevention, the crime prevention department has to upgrade to a place where it has a social service department, if you will. Other terminology can be used, community liaison, what have you in the police department, in the crime prevention unit. Not only do we have a social like worker like we do now who is triaging issues, and I just read an article where the Olmstead County Sheriff is looking to put more social workers on the beat, if you will. But we have social workers in, in, in a civilian-led department, very important, non-police officer staff that will go into the community not only to triage issues, but to build a bridge from the police, law enforcement to the community. I think this is key. I think this is cutting edge. And I truly think this is where law enforcement will go. Not only classic law enforcement in the sense of what they do, but given the history and given the issues we've gone through, literally having an employed department of qualified individuals, culturally competent, a must, Civilian-led, a must, that will galvanize the community. I would be a great supporter of that in the city of Rochester. 
because we would be the best cutting edge city if we added something like that. And I'm not saying a light way of going about it, but literally having a, in a department police led under the chief, under the sheriff that is galvanizing the community, employed, paid, and culturally competent. Another idea I wanted to get to real quickly is the idea of transportation. And I actually spoke to this a little bit on my Facebook. Given we are this city of 70,000 as the median income, given we're somewhat gentrified, if or if not all the way gentrified as a city, and given that not only the backs of the essential workers have, have helped us, held us up, but they will continue to help us. I truly believe we need to figure out this whole thing. Are we going to become this living wage city? And then if we're not, we're going to have to beef up the transportation options because a lot of folks, as they are right now, are living out of town. To do so, I think we need to augment our transportation. And I already know that this is, this is an issue on the table and been discussed and upgraded and evolved. Um, so I'm coming in secondhand, if you will, as a candidate. I really understand that. And somewhat ignorant to the processes because I haven't been on the city council. But with regard to that, one of the things I will promote is what I saw, I believe, in, the, in the Las Vegas and definitely in November, a transportation hub that goes southwest, east, uh, excuse me, north-south, east-west, that is a free transit for folks to get in downtown and out of downtown. Um, that way, folks can carpool, if you will, or drive in on the outskirts of TV, uh, excuse me, uh, of the city and easily come in to their various jobs downtown and around this city. I think that'd be a great model. Again, Denver, Las Vegas, and I assume other major cities do it already. I would be in support of that. And I understand it would be a tax situation with our city. But again, we need to, uh, we, we really have to ask ourselves this question. What type of city do we want to become? And in that regard, we're going to have to augment our uh, transportation situation. If we did something like that, not only cultural competence here, going back to my philosophy, if you will, not only will it help uh, some of the middle class to low income folks come in and make a, a wage and then they can potentially live outskirts for cheaper rent, housing, and so on and so forth, but it's going to help with our, our landlocked, if you will, inner city, not inner city in the sense of a uh, uh, urban place, but our inner city where we're at, at some point, we're not going to be able to take a lot of more cars and parking is an issue. That means folks are commuting in and there might be have to be some additional laws, policies around it, but they're commuting in. It helps our city. It's eco-friendly, right? Less cars on the road. We're saving the environment, so on and so forth. I would truly be in support of that type of model here in Rochester, and I believe we will have to. It looks like our roads cannot expand anymore, so we need a different option. And if we have free transportation, north, south, east, west, and perhaps other areas as well that are that are hot hubs, free, yes, on the taxpayer dime, hear me? Yes, I did say that. We are becoming a cutting-edge city. We are saying we love you voiceless and minorities and cultural communities, low-income, middle-income people. Plus, we want to be eco-friendly 
and we want to solve this issue of parking and transportation downtown. So those two areas I wouldn't really want to point it out, particularly as we're dealing with Black Lives Matter and the residual impact of, of, of cities and this whole idea of defunding police and all that type of thing. I really wanted to touch on that. And then the idea of transportation. I think it's a huge issue that we need to figure out so that we're on top of this. And it takes as, again, I want to refer back to not what I said, but what I got this morning being on the Barbershop talk show, Sarah Flick running for office, and I'm not promoting her campaign. It was just a great topic. She said the cities or areas or states that are going to be bold are going to be the best places to live, the best places in the nation. And it is time for some bold things to happen particularly in the aftermath of a lot of things we're dealing with throughout the nation. So there are a couple of ideas of many that I am thinking about. But in all of this, as you vote and think about what's going on, remember, leadership matters. Vote leadership. This is a time, in my opinion, of a dearth of leadership nationally and locally. And there could be many reasons as to why folks are not being leaders, probably more so or no doubt, more so politicians. But I would beg of you, whether you vote for Donovan Bailey or not for Rochester City Ward 6, City Council, that you vote for leaders, people that are leaders. A quote that I love, and I will continue to quote, because I believe it's at the heart of what I'm running for and the heart of what I've been doing as a social worker for 13 years with the public def defender offices. I was a police officer worked in criminal justice circles, and a philosophy of my community work. The late, great Senator Wellstone said, we all do better when we all do better. And I believe that philosophy will help not only Rochester, our state as well, to move forward in these most troublesome and tinderbox, if you will, times. We need some serious leadership here because we're in some tense moments that I don't think, I think it's hard for us to realize. Just this morning, I'll go real quickly here. We were talking again on the Barbershop Talk Show, and one of the candidates mentioned the idea, our youth have grown up with 9-11, uh, some of the major hurricanes, now COVID-19. Police violence has been going on for those, those of us that know, but culminated in the death of George Floyd, and then we had one in Atlanta. They've been growing up under this, and what stress. This is a tender time for our country, and I truly believe this is where leaders look at, they, they rise to the challenge of, 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 of cha they rise to the challenge of very uh, uh, troublesome things, and they lead us forward in an American philosophy and an American agenda. I think we can do that from, it, from school board to city council to Olmstead County Commissioner to legislative leaders to the governor of, of Minnesota to national leaders and the president of the United States. I believe we can research this philosophy of America, the e pluribus unum. And I truly believe if we don't, we're going to be dealing with some serious times in our country. Um, and we've seen that as of late. So I want to thank you for tuning in. Again, remember, the primary is on August 11th. We need your vote. The general election then, for those that win that, will be November 3rd, 2020. I will say this. I need your support as a candidate, 
running for Rochester City Council Ward 6. You will see on my Facebook, and I'll say this over and over again, I need your vote more than I need your money. If I get your vote, that's what it's all about. And I understand advertising is a part of that, Donovan. But literally, I understand these times are tough with COVID-19. And I'll be honest with you, it is very, very hard for me to ask for your dollar when I know um, there's, a, there's a lot of other things to deal with. So I just want to say I need your vote more than your campaign, uh, excuse me, your money. But as so, I've chosen PayPal as my online option. That is because they've donated $530 billion to black-owned businesses, and I thought for sure that's where I want to go. Um, and there's more on that on my website. Well, you know, or this is that this is an Anchor Impact, uh, Anchor FM podcast. You can get this on Spotify and other mediums. I have all my information on my website, Donovan for RochesterCityCouncil.com, my phone number, all my social media. Check me out. I do need your vote. Thank you for tuning in. This is podcast 13 of Donovan Bailey, MSLGSW. Thank you. Make sure you enjoy your weekend. Do something fun for you, you, yourself, your family, your significant others. All right. Thank you for stopping by this podcast. Remember, we all do better when we all do better. Have a great weekend.